3: Maybe on Walker. Q. Pew!
4: That'll do it! That will do it!
3: Hello and welcome to episode five of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast with me, Sean Barker. And me, Sam Davis. Now,
1: of course, if you've listened to Back of the Net before, you'll realise that in one of the clauses in our handbook, we need to be doing the show wearing shirt. So today I've gone for the mansion red and black home shirt because we're safe, aren't we, Sean?
3: Maybe. Probably yeah uh, i don't know anymore but uh i've also gone modern with the uh vile pink away shirt little reference for later on in the show perhaps And uh, thank you very much for listening once again to Back of the Net. We appreciate your ears and uh, we're all good to go. I'm down here in New Zealand supping on a coffee. And I've got to say, looking through the webcam, there is Sam. It's Monday night in England and it's just going to be open now. It's a supermarket home brand can of G&T. What has happened?
1: (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. So then, coming up on this week's show...
3: We hear your thoughts on the team's 3-0 defeat at the hands of Tottenham and then bring you our review of the game. Yeah, that's right. And there's a new feature in today's show called Do You Remember, which will test your knowledge of players from the past. Yep, and we'll bring you the answer at the end of the show. And Sam then brings his online review of the last seven days of AFCB Cyber Webness. Sean then sits
1: firmly in the newsroom chair to bring you the latest news from the club. Lou Carlton is this week's supporter profile. And then we'll bring you this week's feature, which is all about the launch of the stadium expansion plans. Now, I went to Dean Court on Thursday to check them out and chatted to supporters and local residents to get their thoughts. So
3: let's begin the show with your fan thoughts on our visit this past Sunday to White Hart Lane.
1: performance from Tottenham this afternoon they've beaten Bournemouth by three goals to nil and an impressive response to that relentless charge of Leicester at the top of the table The tone was set off just 44 seconds. That was the time it took Harry Kane to open the scoring. He added a second and his 21st of the season 15 minutes later. And Tottenham were never in any danger of relinquishing that lead. Christian Eriksen added a third. The second half really, Spurs just cruised through it. It could have been more, but what a significant win this is for Tottenham. The gap to the top is back to five points. Tougher tests than lie ahead. The next three games for Tottenham, Liverpool away, Manchester United at home and Stoke City away. But for now, comfortable for Tottenham. No signs of them feeling the pressure. They've beaten Bournemouth here by three goals to nil.
0: Hi guys, this is Neil from West London. Uh, the Spurs game was a real disappointment. It was a low energy, low quality performance. Uh, where the midfield and the wide men gave very little service to the strikers. I don't think I can recall us having a shot. I know in some of the stats it says that we had two attempts on target. One was ahead of it went wide. I don't know what the other one was. Maybe it was a goal kick or something that uh, went upfield. But the disappointing thing is the Spurs fans haven't seen anything to the best of us this season. Um, and it's positive, though, I suppose, that the uh, the management and the players are saying... The Spurs are a team that we aspire to. That standard is what we're trying to achieve. And let's face it, they could win the league. Anyway, onwards and upwards. Hopefully we're safe and the lads uh, get a decent break in Dubai. Whether they deserved it or not is another matter, I suppose. See you next time.
3: Hi, Sean. Hi, Sam. It's uh, Mike and Lisa here calling from Ferndown. Just got back from White Hart Lane. I'd love to have given you a report of a pulsating game of football Uh, on full time from the ground Uh, but alas that wasn't to be Uh, I've been stewing on it on the drive home and uh, it was all a bit meh in the end Uh, Bournemouth didn't turn up Tottenham did they were brilliant Harry Kane was brilliant Uh, and they took us to pieces from uh, minute one literally minute one 44 seconds I believe it was so uh, the players are off to Dubai now. Hope they have a, an enjoyable week or two in the sun while we're all heading off back to work. Um, great. So uh, I'll catch up with you later. Bye. Hey, guys. It's Chase, your favorite Cherries fan from Florida. Um, yeah, it wasn't a, wasn't a great result uh, against Tottenham today, but uh, I have faith in the boys, and uh, we're still, you know, far away from the relegation zone and um I hope everyone can keep a level head and and uh, we'll see this out we'll see this season out and uh maybe next year we'll uh we'll show Tottenham up and uh get a couple goals on them and maybe come away from come away from uh White Hart Lane with a win
5: so I'm not worried at all um that's it thanks guys
1: So a big thank you once again to our contributors on The Fan's Thoughts. Thanks to Neil Whedon, Mike Brannan and Chase as ever in the United States. And remember, if you want to get involved, you can do it via a voice message. Just record it on your phone and email it to us, fans at afcbpodcast.com. Or why not give our 24-hour answer phone a ring and that's 01202 90 10 48. So on Sunday, Spurs cut Leicester's lead at the top of the Premier League to five points as Harry Kane inspired Spurs to a pretty much a routine win over Bournemouth. Kane turned in Carl Walker's cross after 43 seconds and then he latched onto Deli Alley's pass to finish left-footed past Arta Boric. That doubled the lead. He's now got 21 goals, Harry Kane. And then Christian Eriksen tapped in Spurs' third from close range after Boric had a shot pushed out from Kane from about 25 yards. So we're safely in mid-table. It wasn't the best of starts, was it, Sean? It was a Hugo Lloris kick that met was it Carl Walker on the right hand side who after 30 or 35 seconds seemed to be in acres of space and he just put that ball right into the danger zone and Harry Kane finished it off
3: yeah it um you know before the game it was a case of let's hope Spurs don't start strongly, and let's hope we can keep possession and get a foot into the game. And obviously, yeah, within 44 seconds, it it kind of fell apart and set the scene for the rest of the game. With that first goal, a couple of points. One was um, prior to the ball from Lloris. What kind of led to that was that we actually won that throw-in deep in our own left-hand corner, um, which Charlie Daniels t- took. And watching it, there was no options and movement. Like our usual urgency to try and make space and get on the ball early. He just had no options. And it's like thirty mm. seconds into the game, Sermon was just kind of standing there, Arter was just standing there. And eventually it was just kind of a long high ball down the line. King tried to get it, it passed on through. Gradle tracked the follow-through of the ball, yeah. and which then led him to be horribly out of position because obviously the ball went all the way back to Larice. Gradle had made kind of a an attempt to kind of cover him and then great pinged ball from Larice over to Walker. Of course, no one was there. But after that point, we didn't close Walker down very quickly. Kind of Daniels didn't seem like he knew whether he could go and commit. Sermon didn't know whether he did. Normally, we're so good at getting two men on a player who's out wide. It just didn't happen. Obviously, great ball. Harry Kane gets gets a stud on it and we're one down.
1: Yeah, I've got to say, like I waxed lyrical about Gradle's goal in terms of the technique on the last podcast against Swansea, I thought Harry Kane's technique actually was very good because... I find it really difficult playing myself. I mean, I'm no pro, as you know, Sean. But when you're trying to hit a ball that's coming from the same side, but then sort of, you know, divert it off the other way, it's not like he hit it in the near post. He actually managed to sort of, you know,
3: caress it into the far post, which is not not an easy technique to do. No, not at all. And again, you know, he's probably the most informed England striker in the league at the moment. So, you know, if you give him a chance like that, he's going to take it.
1: Spurs completely dominated after that. It was painful to watch, wasn't it? The next sort of 10 or 15 minutes it had echoes of Southampton away where we were just second to every ball and it was not a very easy watch and it wasn't very long before Spurs got a second. That was after 16 minutes, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, it was and I guess this kind of raises the issue which we talked about last week and we've talked about for a couple of weeks now around the formation that we have decided to play. We've, we've switched to this 4-4-2. It's been really positive and we've been attacking and mm. we've been scoring goals. I always had that worry about how are we going to match up against a really high-quality side. And I know it's easy to say in hindsight, but watching that game with the four four two, it had echoes of earlier in the season when we tried that formation and we're just getting overrun. And for that second goal... You could see the straight lines we were in with that formation. You've got the four defenders. You had the four midfielders. And a quality player in the Premier League is going to find that space in between the two. And Ali found it, played the ball through. Bang, we're 2-0 down. Yeah, it was a it was a great, and also the pass before that from
1: Kevin Wimmer, I think it was that found your Deli Alley. Um, I've noticed Andrew Sermon sort of tends to uh, tend to do this a lot, a lot of forward passing, and he did he he cut through, um, as you said those lines, found Delhi Alley. He he just sat in this kind of space, and there seemed to be a lot of space between the four defenders and the four midfielders, and. The weight of the pass to Harry Kane can't be underestimated as well because
3: it was absolutely fantastic. It is, and I, I just, we just looked really rigid against, you know, they just seemed to find the holes. And I just don't, when we've got the three in the middle, I don't think we're that rigid. We're a lot more free flowing. There's a bit more movement, I think, amongst the midfield when we've got the extra guy in there. When it comes to quality players, obviously, Deli Ali, I mean, I know he's young but he is a
1: quality player hence he's in the England setup also John Joe Shelby is uh, is also on the peripheral of the England uh, side but those two players in recent games have completely well bamboozled our defenses with incredible three balls didn't haven't they
3: yeah that's right and again you know a uh, part of the bigger conversation i i guess is that the premier league there are some top top players and there are some top teams and you know some people are really unhappy we we lost I'm unhappy we lost we lost and I'm you know the performance wasn't great but I think in this league more you know more than any other league that we've ever played in there is a golfing quality whereby the top sides if they perform they will be miles better than us. When we're in the championship, when we're in League One, when we're in League Two, even when we played sides that were really good, you always felt like we were close, you know, or weren't far away. And we were playing Spurs away. We were kind of hoping maybe they'd have a bit of an off day. Maybe they'd feel a bit pressured. Maybe we'd go in with, with no pressure. And they didn't play like they had any pressure I mean they played like a side that want to win the Premier League and that's the reality is they're trying to win one of the top leagues in the world and they
1: all performed people on Twitter were comparing it with when we played Arsenal but I'm not so sure I mean when we played Arsenal uh, both home and away it seemed like we gave them too much respect I don't think that was the case this time I just think we were poor but I mean we, we gave him so much space. The first half was, I mean, ultimately it was forgettable, wasn't it? Really, really bad. But of course, Harry Kane, he scored one hat trick at Vitality and he was on another and he had a drive after 52 minutes uh, from about 25 yards and Arta Boric couldn't really save it, went into the path of Christian Eriksen and he tapped home to make it 3-0. Can you say much about that?
3: Oh, only if you, this is for me, it's exactly the same. Harry Kane drifted in between our lines of defenders and our midfielders. He found that space and we know we talked about it. Kane will shoot from anywhere. He's got such a great strike. Um, yes, Boric should have done better with it. I mean, if he's not going to hold it, it's got to be parried away, not back. It, was, uh, it looked like he was in two minds as to whether to hold it or whether to just clear it away. Uh, you know, the old days, a keeper would always try and, and hold everything. These days, it's different. A lot of times, even when they can hold it, you'll see a goalkeeper will just punch it away because of the lightness of the ball and the movement and that kind of stuff. So it's understandable. It's a hard shot to deal with. But the reality was, yes, he should have he should have dealt with it. But I think we should have been, you know, tied to Kane. cane. The way that Kane was in between those two lines, they exploited us.
1: Yeah. If anything, for me, I I think Sunday's game was just a complete reality check. It's going to make Eddie sort of look at the frailties of our side in more depth. Now, the thing is, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we're susceptible to play the odd game like this. Um, The fact that we were exposed in a big way on Sunday, I think hopefully is going to make Eddie investigate things with a fine tooth comb. And I mean, what I'm saying is I'd rather it happen against Spurs than... It happened against a team like Sunderland, for instance. I mean, even even during the championship campaign, I always felt like they were, now this may sound funny, but almost crucial losses. Because I remember when we lost away to Brentford and then Nottingham Forest in the space of four days. We went on to not lose the next 13. And those kind of games help reassure you that the league's not a walkover. Now, the Premier League, of course, I mean, no game, you know, is ever going to be a walkover. We lost at home to Stoke. We lost at home to West Ham and us fans were fairly optimistic about those games. But, you know, if you're going to lose, losing to Spurs isn't isn't a bad thing, considering where they are and what they're challenging for.
3: No, it's not. And, you know, yeah, we want to expect high quality performances every single week. And, you know, if we'd have played really well on Sunday and still got beaten, it probably would have been a bit more palatable to everybody I think the disappointment was people felt we had an off day and Spurs had a really great day but yeah there might be a bit of you know it's a a bit of a wake up I mean after we defeated Palace I remember the players all talking afterwards about we're only going to be looking upwards and all that kind of stuff we're moving on from that and that felt really pivotal and then you know then we had the, the defeat to Stoke and we were back down again and we've had to learn a lot this season and the team have had to learn a lot right from the start of the season when you know we found it tough and we weren't getting results and that kind of stuff then we found our good patch it's the premier league and as you know as some people are saying we're not going to be challenging for the champions league straight away there's real quality in our in our team but there's quality in other sides that are near the top of yeah, the league
1: exactly yeah exactly
3: we had Well, there wasn't much to
1: write home about, but uh, there was a free kick that came in from the left wing, wasn't there, that Max Gradle took, Sean?
3: Yeah, um, great cross in, and Cookie Cookie got on the end of it. It was another one of his leaps that was in the air for hours, and I guess that was as close as we got. On the stats, we had two shots, none of which were on target. Um, That was one of them. Uh, Can you remember the other one?
1: No, not much. I mean, it could have been worse. I mean, Frano was called into action later on, wasn't he?
3: (laughs) Yeah, it was the Simon Francis double save. So the (laughs) the ball's been whipped in low. It was actually a really good block from, I think it might have been Kane. I can't remember, but he slid in and blocked and then it came back out and then they had another shot near post. Francis was on the line. Boric was diving to save it. And then Francis kind of hooked it away on the crowd, didn't he it was it, it was it reminded me of Colin Hendry do you remember when he was placed play for Blackburn yeah and he'd yeah. just block everything it was <laughs> Francis right. was having a little Hendry moment
1: so three now I mean I did predict a loss last week I predicted three goals I did think that we were going to get one it just one of those performances to forget about wasn't it
3: Yeah, it was. And obviously now we've got the international break for a couple of weeks. Might not be a bad thing to go into that after this game instead of maybe going in, you know, the week before on a high. Who knows? Because there's always things we can learn. And as we know from when they went to Dubai last year, it's no holiday there on. I remember the players all saying that it was some of the tougher sessions they had. So hopefully they have a good five day trip and then we're back ready to take on another lowly team. Uh, Manchester City?
1: yeah that's right so sean tell me
3: about this new feature then that you've got oh yeah very exciting so we want to test your 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 cherry brain so this is uh for those that have been supporters for a long time then you know get fingers on your buzzers so it's a little quiz we're going to do every week and it's just going to teach some thoughts there around former players that we had playing for us so We'll, we'll do the feature in a second and then we will give you the answer at the end of the show. So you don't have to wait till next week or whatever. But don't cheat. Don't go on Mr. Google or Mrs. Google or whatever Google you want to choose. Just, just use your brain to think about it. And if you're a newer fan and maybe you haven't been around, you know, listening, then hopefully maybe it'll just give you a bit of a backstory about some of the players past that have played for us. So here is Do You Remember? This player was born on the 12th of September 1982. He signed for Bournemouth on loan from Middlesbrough in 2003, having never played in the Borough First Team, but he had played on loan for Blackpool and Carlisle. He made nine appearances for the Cherries that season. He was a centre back. He was part of the successful team on that great day at the Millennium Stadium when we won the Division 3 playoff final versus Lincoln. His initials were P.G. Do you remember? Do you remember?
1: Hmm, now that's interesting. But Sean, what I want to ask you is where did you get that
3: jingle? It's amazing. Ha, yeah, thanks. So that is um, an artist called Anna Brunn, who is a Norwegian that lives in Sweden or a swede that lives in norway one way or the other and uh, i saw her at womad here in new zealand a couple years ago and she's really cool and then i was thinking about this feature and it was like ah that song's in my head all the time i'll put them both together brilliant now i think i think i know the answer to this well i can
1: picture the guy's face i don't want to say too much obviously because we're going to be telling them at the end of the program
3: aren't we but i think i think i know what did you say the initials were again I'm not going to tell you, Sam. You should have been listening. Stay tuned, listener, because at the end of the show, I'm going to be putting Sam and possibly you out of your misery and we'll tell you the answer. But if you've already got the correct answer, well played, and that will be 10 back of the net points to you. But now it's time for Sam's online review of the last seven days of all things AFCB. And it's been quite a week, what with the stadium expansion and the defeat to Spurs. So let's find out what Sam found.
1: Since back of the net has started... Our online review has usually been one full of positive comments, with the odd devil's advocate tweet comment thrown in here and there for good measure. This week, however, has been very much a testing time, with the hotly anticipated stadium expansion reveal being met with mixed reviews, and a few days later, a 3-0 thrashing by Spurs on Sunday, resulting in a select few supporters throwing their toys out of the pram somewhat. So as we're going to hear later in the show, the stadium is going to be expanded, but unfortunately not to the capacity that a number of people wanted or expected. Red House on Vital Bournemouth Forum said... Although this expansion is excellent news, it's something you'd expect to see at Barnet, not at what will be one of the wealthiest clubs in the world with a guaranteed future income of £160 million. Now, of course, in November 2014, Bournemouth chairman Jeff Mostyn told the BBC Sports Hour that the club were looking to expand the Gold Sand Stadium to 18000 He said at the time, we know we can expand to 15000 without any problem and hopefully look at further development. Now, there were other Cherry's opinions, included Damien Hill, who said, Plans for the new South End look good. Small steps to a bigger future. Sam Stapleton tweeted, Very happy with the stadium expansion plans, although it is a little disappointing that even without segregation, we can't even hit 15k. Now of course, aside from internal bickering about the supposed lack of ambition from the club, we did of course get the customary tweets from fans of other clubs who seemingly reveled in the delight at how small our stadium is. However, we dealt with enough of those kind of tweets before not to worry about them too much, so let's move on. So to Sunday, and after Spurs' dismal exit in the Europa Cup, it was off to White Hart Lane to watch the Cherries take on Tottenham Hotspur. Now, after AFCB revealed the colour of the shirt that we were going to play in, one particular Twitterer, who we all know and love, couldn't help but pass comment. I'll read out a few tweets from her now, I just wish she'd make her views much clearer. A tweet to AFC Bournemouth, now can we please burn the vile pink kit, I never want to wear it again. A tweet to referee Halsey, the shirt itself and the club pass on the percentage from sales, good cause, but vile kit. A tweet to number one Lino, sending a text as we speak, hoping AFCB change the vile pink kit at half time. A tweet to Dave Watkins, the sooner we burn the vile kit, the better. Another tweet to Dave Watkins, starting with the vile kit, I swear it gives Boric a migraine. A tweet to Fat Burke, it's vile tweet on its own can we have a timeout and change out of that bloody vile kit I tweet to Claire Joes Too right I am they're embarrassed to be wearing such vileness that's eight mentions Gail we get it but we do love you it sadly though won't look as though the blue kit's going to be deployed in a while our next opponents away are Aston Villa wonderful so on to the game and Eddie Howe in his own words said that Spurs will be a decent marker for how well AFC Bournemouth have come this season so it's 4pm the game has begun, and it's going to be very interesting to see how far we have come. I'm really looking forward to this match. Oops, I forgot to start the countdown clock. One oh, to White Hart Lane in really good form in fine fettle, winning the last three Premier League matches they've played, including 3-2 against Swansea City last weekend. They've won eight of the last 16 just four defeats
5: in the last 18 matches. But from here, though, for Walker, which will love to run into. Oh, incredible! ahead
1: in the first minute of the game! Oh, dear. So that was the first of three goals in what was an inept performance. Now, as always on Twitter, you get three types of messages. One... The outright bonkers opinions of fans whose views are ridiculously out of line considering the context of the season. Two, the opinions of fans which are very critical, very opinionated, but they obviously do seem to comprehend that it's just a one-off. And then three, you get the comments from those who aren't critical at all and just accept it is what it is. Now, I think, and this is my opinion now, being in the latter two camps is absolutely fine. Indeed, as we were singing at White Hart Lane, we've come from League Two. Can I just say something? Why the hell are we singing that when we're 3-0 down? It Seems a mad thing to sing. It's just like going on a date with someone that's way out of your league, being turned down at the end and then sarcastically retorting by saying, well, I only date munters anyway. It's bizarre. And before the Mary Whitehouse brigade kickoff, men could be munters too, okay. So some of the critical yet not unfair comments included Red and Black sixty eight, who on Twitter wrote Best team in the league, yada yada. The point is the embarrassing display and capitulation. We're better than that, hence the anger. And then Alex Deuch, Deutsch Deutsch Dech. I'll never know how to say that. Tweeted, love that we can just never be beaten by a better side. Peter Humphrey on Twitter said, not anything to get carried away with, but you can't tell me we couldn't have acquitted ourselves better in terms of attitude and performance. And then Matt AFCB97 rounded it off soundly with, being mid table, Prem is a damn sight better than being bottom of league two, but some seem to think that we should be walking this league. Indeed, over on Facebook, Cherry's fan down under, Rob Frank, said, I'm amazed to read some of our so-called fans we're getting at the team today. They'll be the ones who think we're in with a chance of the Europa League next year. We're miles away. I thought before the season we'd get nothing from the 12 games against Spurs, Arsenal, City, Chelsea, United and Liverpool. And we've got 26 games to get our 40 points. So far, so good. Time for people to get in the real world. The boys have been brilliant this year, trying to be positive that was possible champions that beat us today. The season low point does still remain Norwich City away. And one of the regulars on Twitter, Sam Summers, brought back a theme which was actually prevalent last season when AFCB looked on the ropes in the championship race. He said, I avoided all social media after yesterday and I feel great today. I'm tempted to catch up, but I know it's all going to be, why have you got no plan B, Eddie? Well, For all them people that say there's no Plan B, this is for you.
4: you, And
1: for all those who aren't up to date with popular culture, this is Plan B singing right now, by the way.
3: So the online world could be a crazy place at the best of times, but after, you know, big news that's to do with the club about the stadium and then on the back of a defeat, yeah, I think the, the avoiding it sometimes can be for the best, eh? Yeah, it's always an entertaining
1: time checking out Twitter and the forums, and uh, yeah, keep those uh, interesting tweets coming along. But now, bong! I can see Sean Barker, and he's sat ready with his papers at the news desk. It's time for club news.
3: Hey, B Club News! Guess who's back? Back again. Wilson's back, tell a friend. After the squashing of rumours last week that Callum Wilson was back in full training, this week it has been announced that he is indeed now training with the rest of the team. Wilson took to his personal Twitter account on Saturday to proclaim it's been good to be back full training with the boys this week. A result tomorrow to top it off would be nice. Alas, it was not to be a topped-off week for this season's still joint-top goalscorer, but news of his training return is great news for the club, and hopefully he'll have the chance to add to his goal tally of five before the season is out. Fans wave Dubai to the players as they head off overseas during the international break. Following defeat to Spurs on Sunday, the squad have now flown to Dubai for a five-day training camp while ten of the team are representing their nations. In a repeat of last season, the team will be put through their paces in the hot UAE sun in a trip which Eddie Howe says gives them a really good chance to regroup and have some intense training sessions in a lovely climate. The players representing their country, so missing out on the team trip... Marboric, Federici, Richie, McDonald, Arter, O'Kane, Iterbe, Gradle, King and Benek Afobe, who has decided to train with the Democratic Republic of Congo, although he will not play in their scheduled games just yet. He has the choice of England or Congo and will use the international break to train with Congo to suss out their setup and the team with a view to pledging his allegiance in the future to one or other of the nations. Roy Hodgson decides against any cherries being on the menu for England there had been much speculation as to whether Charlie Daniels and in recent weeks Simon Francis would make the England squad when Hodgson announced his 24 players for the upcoming friendlies against Germany and Holland. However, neither players made the cut as Roy opted to go with the majority of players that he has picked over the last two years with the exception of Danny Drinkwater from Leicester, but they are currently a top six side in the Premier League, so qualify for selection under the unwritten big club rule. Hodgson was quoted as saying, It'll be a task for people to break in now, as it should be. Anyone who does break in would be taking the place of someone who has been doing quite well for the last two years. That's right, people. England set the standard at quite Well, I've got nothing. Shirts on for the lads. Shirts on for the lads. All three AFCB replica kits are now 50% off in the shop as the club looks to clear stock before the end of the season. This sale indicates that there will be three brand new kits next season with the likelihood that there will be a change in manufacturer. This change is probably due to the horrendous issues at the start of the season, whereby the shirts were not ready and on sale until after the season had started. This delay caused Gary Chapman and myself to launch the social media hashtag RetroAFCB and a campaign which encouraged fans to wear classic old tops for the opening game of the Premier League season against Aston Villa. In fact, regardless of new stock availability next season, maybe it would be a good idea to once again coordinate a retro AFCB game every season to make sure the history of how far we have come as a team is not forgotten. Let's make it happen, folks. AFCB
4: Club News. Hi, this is The Biggin, Steve Fletcher, and you're listening to Back of the Net.
2: Supporter profile. Please state your name.
5: Louise Carlton.
2: Where do you live?
5: Blackheath, London.
2: First Bournemouth game attended.
5: Tuesday, the twenty ninth of November, nineteen eighty eight. Uh, at home versus Hull City, where Bournemouth won. 5'4", and Lisa Blissett scored four goals.
2: Favourite player of all time and why?
5: Chuck Yaron. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Steve Jones. Uh, he's my childhood hero.
2: Favourite current player and why?
5: Um, I think it has to be Drew Sermon for covering most miles. Um, I think he'd have some competition if, if Wilson was fit, but you can't argue with that work rate.
2: Favourite all-time AFCB game?
5: Uh, she was at home, uh, greater Cape season in '95. We stayed up and Steve Jones gave me a shirt.
2: Your greatest
5: all goal. Um, Jermaine Deso, um, away at Oxford United on Boxing Day in 2000 when he um, took it past their midfield and their defence and then he, kicked it back up into his own half and did it again for
2: fun. Best moment as a former fan?
5: Probably when you the Sheffield Wednesday goal at Watford in injury time started making its way around the valley um, and then closely followed by finally getting to see the other champions. If you could sign
2: any player, past or present, who would it be and why?
5: That's going to be Defoe again, just so Sunderland can't have him for the last few games of the season, just OK.
2: Your chant of
5: choice. Easy. Um, Jonesy, Jonesy, Jonesy's still anyone only one
2: What league position will we finish in this season?
5: <sighs> 17th is still more than I could have dreamed of in August, so um, anywhere north of 17th is fine by me.
1: So thank you very much to Lou Carlton for being this week's supporter in profile. And that Steve Jones shirt. What a game to get it in as well. That Shrewsbury great escape game. I would have loved to have had
3: that shirt. I know. I'm so jealous. Hey, I'd love that Jersey Jersey. Uh Oh, (laughs) Kiwi slang alert. Uh Oh, sorry. Shirt. Um, Yeah. I spoke to her off air about it and I was like, so is it framed or do you wear it? And, She still wears it, which I would too. Every day, if I could. Good work. Good work, indeed. Now, in the past week, the club finally released the news we've all been waiting for with regards to stadium expansion. Now, on Thursday, Sam headed down to the club for the launch to check out the plans and also spoke to fans to get their thoughts on this big announcement. And this is the subject of this week's feature.
1: Thursday evening at Dean Court saw the unveiling of some of the finer details about the proposed expansion at the Vitality Stadium. At 4pm the doors were open and a throng of people made their way up the stairs to the Bubble Champagne Lounge where fans and local residents alike managed to get further information from the table displays. So it's quite busy in here at the moment. It's just gone half past four and I've been chatting to a gentleman on reception who estimates that about 150 people have passed through the door so far it's going to be open here until 7pm this evening so that allows the 9-5ers to, to have a chance to have a look at the display let's just take a look at the key points I've got a leaflet here in front of me and uh, these are the facts so far the new capacity will be 14,529 that increases the existing capacity by 27% the new south stand will hold 4559 with each corner holding 428. There will be a viewing platform for wheelchair positions, 30 positions as well as wheelchair viewing at pitch level. There will be disabled toilets on the first and ground floors with a changing room on the first floor too. There will be bars on the ground and first floor too. In terms of toilets there will be 61 female facilities, uh, 24 for the men as well as 95 urinals. Uh, From what I've gathered through conversation, so this isn't fact down on paper printed out on the leaflet, but uh, from what I've heard uh, floodlights are going to be installed on top of the corner stands. It seems likely that the increased away allocation that the away fans are going to obviously have to have because there's a percentage that they get. Of the capacity that's probably going to involve where they are now and one of the corner stands, so home fans are likely to be in that stand. The club are now working with um, what they call a traffic planner in quotation marks. What that is, I don't mind, but it seems it's going to be there to sort of mitigate the extra fans. Um, I'm sure that uh, local residents will have some concerns, so they will no doubt be liaising with this person. Uh, if we're chatting to one of the guys on one of the stands the planning permission if gained uh, will commence in May and lasts for a period of three years so basically within that 36 months the construction will need to commence in that window but obviously it's likely to start as soon as permission is gained obviously if done in May apparently it could be between 8 and 12 weeks so therefore it could be ready for the start of the Premier League season next year now it's looking to be a hybrid construction therefore it will be a steel build the development will be built on the land owned by the club now bear in mind there is a public footpath behind the stand it doesn't look like that can be actually diverted so they can only build up to the boundary uh, basically where the path starts therefore the stand can only go back a certain way There there is a limit to its size Um, Now, around me, there are quite a few concerned local residents uh, quizzing the planning consultants. Now, I've tried to have a word. Uh, Obviously, I'm not going to record them sneakily, but I've said I'm from the podcast and not many of them actually want to speak. So I think they're going to sort of unify their opinions, no doubt, in a local residents meeting. And uh, they'll come back all guns blazing. Who knows? The concern that I overheard from one of the residents was about the drainage. Obviously, I'm, I'm sure that they've got a number of concerns. Uh, that seems to be one of them now. It seems that there's going to be no additional consultation for residents. Today is the day. But, of course, they can put in any uh, you know anything in writing to the council, of course. Um, there are, of course, going to be issues over transport, traffic, parking and indeed there will be an impact study that's going to be uh, taken out there are a lot of concerns uh one of the ladies uh, on the other side of the room actually i can just see her over there she was asking one of the guys about uh the access for construction lorries um and also the height of the new stand and things like that so there are still a lot of questions to be asked and rightly so of course uh We have spoke to a few people here. Uh, The general consensus amongst the AFC Bournemouth fans is that it is an organic move. It is one that is easy to do or relatively easy to do um, at a relatively low expense. They haven't gone all guns blazing and going up to, say, 20,000 because a lot of people think, it is something that is a stopgap measure between Dean Corps and moving somewhere else completely now. Obviously, this is just conjecture. Who knows? Uh, so, yeah, it was, um, it was quite interesting chatting to a few people. We tried to get word, as I said, with the local residents, but it wasn't to be.
4: Cheers. Thank you.
1: Bye. Yeah, so I just got back from the Vitality Stadium and it's quite interesting just reading the... Reviews online now and seeing what people say seems to echo what people were saying, what AFC Bournemouth fans were saying at uh, the Bubble Champagne Lounge in terms of... A slight disappointment over the capacity increase in terms of the size. I know it's an extra 3,000 seats, but there's been the ambition word mentioned a few times, thinking we should have gone much bigger. But, of course, these things have got to be done iteratively. You you know, you can't just do this overnight. And it seems to be the logical progression for next season, at least. Bearing in mind, last season, there were a number of championship games we didn't even sell out. So... (laughs) It certainly makes sense to me, but I'm just one opinion of many. Now, we ask for your opinions over Facebook and Twitter, because it's always interesting to hear what Cherry's fans have got to say. Now, we did get an Oscar-worthy voice message through from a London-based fan called Richard Williams. Now, stay tuned for that. The tenor's in the post, Rich. But first, here's lifelong Bournemouth supporter
3: Gavin Payne just thought I'd uh, let you know my thoughts on the uh, new ground proposals at AFC Bournemouth. Uh, I think it'd be good for the ground to be bigger because I can't get a ticket at the moment, so I'm one of those fans who could do with this. But at the same time, it'd be good to... Uh see if it can get any bigger than that because I don't know whether another 3,000 is going to be enough, but we shall see. I just hope it, uh, hope it goes ahead. But the plans as they are look pretty good, so uh, I can't wait to see what happens. Sam, Sean,
4: I'm glad you've asked me this question as to uh, what do I think about Bournemouth's decision to increase the stadium size by a huge 3,000 uh, people. It was the uh, only thing which was keeping me occupied yesterday whilst I sat in Malaga Airport for six hours waiting for the French to uh, finally stop their strike as they were going through their uh, normal national pastime of uh, pissing everybody else off. Anyway, um, so my decision. Um, well, I'm obviously very excited about the increase in the female toilets to 61 and the uh, urinals bringing that up to 95, but I just get the feeling it's a little bit small time. Can't we do a bit more? I mean, further 5,000, I mean, that's, that's surely a bit better. Actually, why don't we go to 10,000? And if we can't fill it each week, why don't we have the novel idea of filling it with Seagulls, we've got thousands of them over in, the, over in Bournemouth at the weekends, Saturday afternoons, 3pm. What are they doing? Nothing. We can get them over there. There's a boost to the AFCB and community. And the best thing about it is it's really going to piss off Brighton.
1: Wow. Thank you very much, Rich, for those views. Certainly entertaining ones. Sean, do, do you actually need me anymore? Do you just need Rich on the show? But remember, if you want to get in touch about the stadium and have your views, remember you can tweet us at Podcast and on facebook.com slash AFCB podcast
3: Barker, I'm off down job seekers. <laughs> I don't know if I could cope with the randomness of that, Sam. What an amazing rant from Rich. We went, we went from French strikes to seagulls being... Oh, it, was, it, was like a, it was like a press conference with Eric Cantona. Ooh la la. But hopefully with less trawlers, eh, Sean?
1: So, yeah, I've been thinking about this quiz that you done earlier. Do you remember? I've been racking my brains during this show, and I think, well, I think I've got the surname, but the first name completely eludes me. I,
3: I can see his face, like I said. Come on, who is it? All right, I'll, I'll tell you. And before I tell you, I'd also forgotten his name until uh, my dad sent me a couple of old programs in the post, um, which he does. He digs out and finds all my stuff I left, left in his house, in his loft. And I was reading through the program, and it had a reference about this player. And I was like, gosh, yeah, I totally forgot. So he was on loan from Borough. He played, uh, he made nine appearances for us and became integral to us really winning that game at Lincoln. He partnered Carl Fletcher at the back Big, burly defender, Phil Gulliver.
1: Phil, 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 Phil. You know what? I was thinking, Paul, uh, I did think Phil Gulliver, uh, Gulliver, but I thought,
3: no, that's not is it? But I did have the surname. I did have the surname. Oh, well, you can have uh, half a back of the net point. So, listener, well, well done if you did get that. If you didn't, then, you know, that's okay. Go and look up Phil Gulliver. And next week, we will do another Do You Remember? And good luck with that one. Yeah, looking forward to next week. And there is going to be
1: one next week, because even though there's no AFC Bournemouth game, it's international weekend. We all love to hate that. England have got Germany, I think, on the Saturday night. But of course, back in the net is going to be back because we're going to be previewing our match against Manchester City at the Vitality. We'll have all the usual features, another supporter profile. And of
3: course, we'll be taking you behind the scenes of the Cherries with another feature. Yep, so thanks very much for listening once again to Back of the Net. If you've missed any of the previous episodes, then just head to our website, dot afcbpodcast.com because you can find all the previous week's shows there. Um, there's also a How to Listen page which tells you all the other ways other than on the website that you can listen to this show, whether it's on YouTube or Cloud, or if you've got a Android or an iPhone or a Windows phone you can listen through the podcast app and you can subscribe to get the show automatically download each and every week. Now coming up in a couple of weeks, there's a couple of features that we're working on and we'd love your input on them one is we're going to be doing a bit of a historical walk down memory lane of the old dean court Bless her. Don't we miss her? It's not quite the same with the new Gold. Sorry, Vitality Stadium. So we want to get your memories. So could you give us a call on our answer phone, 01202 9010 48, or record yourself speaking on your phone or your computer and email fans at AFCB Podcast. Really love to just get your memories on the old stadium, maybe a funny story when you're in the newsstand or just something historical that you think be of interest. That would be great. The other feature is for those people that live outside of the uk but support the cherries so if you are a fan in another country maybe you're a new fan that's just picked up on us now we're in the premier league or you found us in the league two days wherever you are could you just give us an email fans at afcbpodcast.com let us know where you are and if you're around to do an interview i'd love to catch up for another feature that we're doing in a few weeks time Excellent stuff. So that's it from myself and Sean on this week's episode. We will be back
1: next week for the next instalment of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast.
3: Richie, <laughs> <laughs> beyond Walker, Pugh. Pugh!